This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Wake up, America, before it's too late. The Steve Day Show. And greetings. Happy Monday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show here live and on demand on Blaze TV radio and podcast. My name is Steve Dace. His name is Todd Erzin. His name is Aaron McIntyre. Coming up on the show today, Bob Vanderplatz will be joining us uh, at the bottom of the hour. Got up yesterday morning and just saw a bunch of people. Of course, you're going to say, why is this different than any other day? Just saw a bunch of people annihilating themselves over polling data that could not be any less relevant. It's just wholly, totally, and completely irrelevant. And with it looking like now the you have Tim Scott announcing today, there is some talk that the governor of New Hampshire, John Sununu, is, or is it that's maybe that's his dad, Chris Sununu. Chris Sununu is thinking of running. And even if he has no impact himself as a candidate, it would have tremendous impact on the race. That is that is far more worthwhile to discuss than polling numbers that mean nothing. And I'm going to lay that out and we'll discuss that with uh, our buddy Bob Vanderplas at the bottom of the hour, who is the maestro of the Iowa caucuses. And I have a, I've got a theory on what Trump may be doing with the life issue. And I want to run it by Bob and get his take on it as well. So we'll discuss that at the bottom of the hour. Next hour, it'll be your chance to ask me anything. So we always look forward to that. Good questions this week or not? I think so. Yeah, yeah, good. As always, I've not seen any of them, so I I await to be uh, hopefully ambushed, shocked, surprised, and not punked. Uh, also, you don't want to get punked by the health authorities again should we have yet another major health scare that requires a venerable medication that you now suddenly can't get, and it is suddenly dangerous. That's why we've been urging you to go with our friends over at Jace Medical now for many, many moons here on the show. They've got a brand new product, too. It's the 12-month backup supply of your existing medication just in case of, uh, call it an emergency, just in case of an emergency, yeah. And this is wide-ranging from diabetes, heart health, blood pressure, even mental health, and more, and absolutely absolute must get so that you and your family know you are prepared the next time a venerable medication is suddenly marked and deemed dangerous because they're fine killing you so they can bring forth yet an even more risky and deadlier medication later. All right, get the vital medications you need and the peace of mind that goes along with it when you enter the code DACE at checkout at Jace Medical, J-A-S-E, J-A-S-E, jacemedical.com. Use the promo code DACE at checkout for a discount at jacemedical.com. And with that, let us begin, as we always do, with Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away, brought to you by Nebraska. Trans 
Despite State Senator Michaela Kavanaugh's mental breakdown you see there, Nebraska has indeed passed a ban on meatball surgery and chemical castration for those under the age of 19, and a ban on baby killing past 12 weeks. Checking in on Texas, where House Speaker Dade Phelan is either drunk or having a stroke. Mr. Campbell, send out a amendment. The amendment is acceptable to the author. Is there objection to the opposite amendment? And the chair has done. Members adopt it. The chair recognizes Mr. Mr. Johnson of Harris. Mr. Johnson of Harris to speak in opposition to the bill. South Carolina's Republican House members held strong against nearly 1,000 junk amendments proposed by Democrats to a bill that bans baby killing after six weeks. The effort to hold the line for life was led by women like Representative Melissa Oramus. So many other people in the state who are fighting just like us to pre prevent the genocide of children. You can call it what you want. I've heard you call it a chemical fluttering. I've heard you call it a glob of tissue. I've heard you call it a fetus. But not one of you women who stood up here or men said, my baby, my baby. I think a lot of you should be happy you learned the word autonomy. You've never used it in your life, so you don't know what that means. I have autonomy over my body. I make decisions for my body, but I don't, y'all want separation of church and state? But the one thing my mom and dad did teach me was right from wrong. Yeah, I do have God in my life, but I know that murder is murder. If something's alive and it's growing and it stops, it's dead now. If it has a heartbeat one minute and it doesn't no longer, it is now dead. So what do you call that? What do you call that when a 23-week um, baby is going through an abortion and you can see it on the screen as you're sucking his parts out and he's trying to get away from that instrument? What do you call that? Justification for the mother who did not want that baby? Florida Governor Ron DeSantis took a subtle jab at Donald Trump during remarks to the Florida Family Policy Council. We also signed the most robust medical freedom legislation anywhere in the United States. Not only did we codify all our protections against COVID authoritarianism, we expanded it so that no private or public sector vax mandates on not just COVID vaxes, any vax under emergency use or MNRA, that is your choice, and they should not deny you the right to work based on that choice. We made sure they can't mandate it on school children uh, and that parents are ultimately uh, the ones that make that determination. The way they weaponized these COVID vaxes was a massive incursion into our freedoms. They wanted to deny people the right to put food on their table if they didn't bend the knee and get a COVID shot that they may not have wanted and that many of them did not need. We can never allow warp speed to trump informed consent in this country ever again. In completely unrelated news, UK authorities are investigating a quote-unquote unusual surge in severe myocarditis, which has hit 15 babies in Wales and England and has killed at least one. That's according to the World Health Organization and an advisory they put out last week. The WHO issued an alert last week saying there had been a rise in severe myocarditis in newborns and infants between June of 2022 and March of 2023 in Wales and England. It said this was associated with the enterovirus infection, which rarely affects the 
heart. A UK health security agency spokesperson confirmed to the Epic Times that 10 babies have been diagnosed in Wales and five had been diagnosed in England. Add Mike Pence to the list of those siding with the groomers at Disney. And I just don't believe it's, it's in the interest of the people of any state for a, a, a government to essentially go after a business that they disagreed with on a political issue. I disagree with Florida moving against uh, Walt Disney. South Carolina Senator Tim Scott has filed paperwork to run for president. He's apparently making his entrance into the race with a $6 million ad buy for this spot. We have to start teaching the necessity of individual responsibility. If you are able-bodied, you work. If you take out a loan, you pay it back. If you commit a violent crime, you go to jail. Can I get an amen? In Rome, climate cultists dyed the water black at the famed nearly 300-year-old Trevi Fountain, risking permanent discolorization of the stone. Rome's mayor says the city will need around 80,000 gallons of water to clean up the mess. Back at home, UC Berkeley is making segregation great again by holding the blacks only, no whites allowed commencement ceremony. Here's how that looked and sounded. Uh, Aramis Anderson said the last shall be first and the first shall be last. Receiving a Bachelor of Arts in Disciplinary Studies field, Political Economy, Legal Studies and African American Studies. He said... Disbursement and allocation, reparations for African Americans. In the least surprising news of all time, Microsoft founder Bill Gates got caught up in a Jeffrey Epstein blackmail scheme after the latter learned Gates was having an affair with a Russian bridge player. That's according to reporting from the New York Post. And finally, our long national nightmare is over as the WNBA season formally tipped off over the weekend, which means that ex-Russian prisoner Brittany Griner finally played a game of basketball. Griner's coach, however, Vanessa Nygaard, is still really upset. I mean, it was, it was great, but like, honestly, come on, LA. Like, we didn't sell the arena for BG. Like, I expected more, you know, to be honest, right? Like, it was great, it was loud, but um, how was... How was it not a sellout? And that's what happened while we were away. Because you play in a league that averages about 5,200 people a night in attendance, and the arena seated twice that amount. That's why. That would, that would be why. Aaron's Montage, brought to you by our friends over at Preborn. Take a minute. Let's have a little heart-to-heart. If you're able, put your hand over your heart. Feel that heartbeat. Can you hear it? That, that's a strong heartbeat, reminds us that we are alive. And that is why Preborn has been taking that information and confronting mothers contemplating killing their children for many years, showing them the heartbeat, letting them hear it, see it, feel it of their own child via an ultrasound free of charge. And about 80% of the time, what they find is the mom won't go through with killing her child when she is confronted with the knowledge that she is carrying another live being in there, not just some unviable tissue mass. But they also understand that uh, that's just the beginning of the battle. A lot of these moms are in crisis. Let's face it, if you are in a happy marriage as a woman, if you feel secure uh, and loved, you're probably not contemplating an abortion ever when you find out you're pregnant, it's women who don't feel that way that contemplate it. And so they, they are there to fill in the gap. 
prenatal, postnatal care, all of it for free as well due to tax-deductible donations from people like us. If you'd like to be the next to pour your heart out into this phenomenal ministry, dial pound 250 on your mobile phone and use the keyword baby. That's pound 250 on your mobile phone with the keyword baby or... You can go to preborn.com slash Steve. Once again, that is preborn.com slash Steve. All right, let's let's get to the montage. Uh, a few things. Um, number one, we've been hard on South Carolina at times. In this case, we should congratulate those legislators Indeed. who stood there through that absolutely demonic barrage that went on for days, literally. And stood there and still did the right thing. And um, I'm not Mr. You Can Do It. That's just not the way I was raised. I come from an era where coaches basically looked at you and said, you suck and can't do it, and you did it despite them. All right? So, you know, I'm not – I just – tend to get wired by negative reinforcement. It tends to motivate me. Um, and so I, I tend to try to motivate people the other, the same way. Um, not always a great thing to do when you've got daughters. So I had to learn to tone that down at least a little bit. But I think didn't screw up Anna too bad if you look at her now. Um, but, um, uh, you know, a lot of H.L. Mencken once said, behind every cynic, there's a hopeless romantic who's just been disappointed too many times. And so when we bag on you red states for being fake, it's because you've disappointed us too many times that we know that you can and should do better. Last week, South Carolina did better. Last week, South Carolina lived up to its reputation. So I wanted to make sure to say thank you to South Carolina and make sure before we said anything else today that we mentioned that. Okay, now let's talk quickly about a red state not living up to its reputation. Texas, what are you doing? I mean, what? Doesn't this explain a lot, though? It it does. I mean, a governor who issues an invasion order and then months go by and does nothing. The speaker of their house is literally sloshed out of his brain. You know, they're only debating, you know, whether you should mutilate kids and stuff like that. And the Texas legislature really, you know, trite matters. Just, you know... Just another appropriations bill. Who cares if he had one too many martinis at the uh, lobbyist dinner before they gaveled back into session? Just like Sam Houston. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, yeah. I, I just, man, Texas is running on fumes right now. Texas is running on fumes. You know what? I haven't been able to say this in many years. I'm going to say it right now. Be more like South Carolina. Feels good to say that about a red state. Um, segregation is great, provided we're the segregators. That's a hell of a take, yo. That is a hell of a take. And that's essentially the take they have at the University of Cal Berkeley. If you are shocked, Mike Pence sided against the morality he claims to be so ardently for and with those who are out to eradicate it at every turn. I cannot help you. That's not sarcasm. Literally, I am telling you, I can't help you. Straight up. You are beyond help, at least my ability to help you, and maybe any mere human being. I mean, you are in the need of a soul transplant or you've already been lobotomized, one or the other. 
um, because that's the, the least surprising news ever, every time it happens. If you want to be on the losing side of an issue, find out where Mike Pence is. Find out, follow the forlorn, follow the forlorn look, follow the forlorn look. Yes, there it is. There it is. Yes. Follow the forlorn look. Follow it. And look at Larry Kudlow. Yes, yes, yes. Let Disney groom the kids. Let Disney groom the kids because, I mean, I've got a few Disney stock in my portfolio and I'm not rich enough. So, yes. Cut those genitals off, Disney. Yes, yes. I need that yield. Not a joke. Not a joke. Not a joke. I, that, that's what you saw. That's what you watched. You know, they say that, you know, a tree by its fruit. I'm kind of thinking, and I say this as someone who has struggles in this area and has been brutal and, brutal and openly honest about it for years, but I'm kind of thinking on the grand scale of things, Smearing the brethren, slandering the brethren, siding consistently against the brethren, but I make sure I don't meet alone with any woman. I'm just saying. And I'm, I'm fine with the Billy Graham rule, totally fine with it. But I'm just saying that that's a little bit Christ to the Pharisees. You know, you guys tithe on every ounce of dill, come in and spice. Yeah, you reject, you, you keep the letter of the law, yet you reject the spirit of it. But he is, and he is, he is the poster child for what has been in our pulpits for decades. And that's the number one reason this country is in the sorry shape it's in right now. It's the exact opposite of what de Tocqueville didn't actually say. This is often associated with de Tocqueville. He didn't quite say it the way. This quote actually originates with Dwight Eisenhower, who was essentially connecting dots of de Tocqueville, but it's not a direct quote. That America is great because she is good. I saw the fire emanating from her pulpits. What happens when the fire goes out, though, from the pulpits? If that's true, the opposite has to be true, right, guys? Otherwise, it's a fallacy, right? Sure. So when the fire goes out from the pulpits, then what happens? No longer good, right? Yes. Therefore, no longer great. And we're not. We're just a country right now that has more nuclear weapons than anybody else. That's not the making of a great country. History is replete with nations that were the greatest empire ever known until they weren't. So there's Mike Pence, the pious. Mike the pious. Jumping on Fox News to say, yes, Disney. Trans those kids, pollute those kids, demonically influence those kids. Florida's GDP isn't good enough. Soul rape those children, Disney. For my technocratic conservatism. Hell, literally, no. Hell no. There's a lot of pastors in the last few years that have decided to either essentially get bought off by Trump or 
act totally mystified as to why a character such as him rose to such prominence. We've talked about the, the sure. bought off by Trump crowd quite a bit, right? Mm-hmm. Let's pimp slap around the other group for a few minutes. You guys okay with that? It's Monday. All right, let's, why let's not? Start it off with right, a bang. Let, let, we're gonna we're gonna reach back like a pimp and slap you for a few minutes here. Your why? You're you're the reason why they did. Because he's you and you're him. I gotta tell you, man, I've had plenty of differences with Donald Trump over the years. I would put the future of this country in his hands before I would the majority of American evangelical pastors. Or even a consortium of them. Because at some point, might not be the point I like, might be the point of his own personal ego, might be the point of his own personal privilege. At some point, though, he'll throw a damn punch. And right now, we are so besieged, just blindly throwing punches in a dark room, you'll eventually connect with someone who deserves one, fair? I'm in. As opposed to, I'm here, and my khakis are very pleated this morning, and my sweater vest is wrinkle-free. And I can't wait till next week, when the weather warms up, because it's time to bust out the Hawaiian shirts. You're why. You're why. I mean, stop, stop asking questions. Stop questioning people. Look in the mirror. You're why, boy who can shave. You're why, guy in the pulpit that nobody, no male under the age of 21 has ever looked at and said, I want to be that guy when I grow up. You're why. You're why. Because you're not only no threat whatsoever against the demonic spirit of the age, you will turn on us and turn us in. And that's who Mike Pence is. That's him. Never in a million years. Never in a million years. Literally, if he was the last candidate on earth... And the demonic spirit of the age. I'm just checking out at that point. Never in a million years. Never. Just a complete and total quizzling wimp. Who is symbiotic of much of what has been in our pulpits for the last generation. That guy may not be a threat to steal your wife. But he's a threat to your wife and kids nevertheless. Which brings us to Tim Scott. That, did you disagree with anything he said in that video? I look good. No, I look good. I agreed with every word. Can I get an amen? Yeah. Here's, here's, here's the issue though. They're castrating teenage boys. The southern border is a human trafficking trading outpost. Home mortgage costs, if you, if you are in the market for a new mortgage, you are paying 100% more 
than you were before Joe Biden took over. Straight up fact, 30-year fixed rate mortgages are 100% more than they were when Joe Biden took over. You're literally, you're, that's another way of making you stuck in your home. That, that's another form of lockdown when you stop and think about it. That's a policy. How many people, you went through this with your, I mean, you guys went through this in the last few years. Yeah, we're in the middle of it now. Contemplating whether we can make a move or not. How many other families are now stuck in places they don't want to be? That's another form of lockdown because of this administration's policies that have made it 100% more expensive to go out and get a 30-year fixed rate mortgage than it was the day before they took over. 100%, guys. 100% higher. Point being, those are talking points from 1999. Now, they're timeless truths, so they're all still true, okay? The Antifa mob beating you in Chaz, I'm sure would have stopped dead in their tracks if you would have looked at him and said, you know what? What you guys really need is to learn a lesson about personal responsibility. And they would have said to themselves, you know what, man? I was just about to break the third, the third bone in the nose of this Trump supporter. Because it's Tuesday. And he dared to show himself on the mean streets of Oregon. But I'm, re, I'm, I'm reevaluating my life choices. You're right. I just... I wasn't taught about personal responsibility. Thank you. I'm now beating my fist into a plowshare as we speak. Carry on, Trump voter. I'm on my way to the church of personal responsibility. I have been redeemed. Now let's assume he's right, or he's, he's being sincere. The guy who was working with Cory Booker on uh, cops or uh, racist thugs legislation after St. George Floyd. Let's assume he means it, okay? Have you tried that? I mean, you're in the middle of a home invasion. Better yet, you're on a subway in a major city. Just getting the crap kicked out of you by some of that should have been committed many, many moons ago. Or is perfectly sane, but they were taught at university, you're worthy of being treated like this. So it's totes cool. Have you thought about looking at that person and saying, you know, before, before you wield that weapon against me, if you commit a violent crime, you should go to prison. And that person's like, you know what? You're right. I just... I wish somebody would have shared these talking points with me many, many years ago. I would have... I would have been, I'd be on a different path. A path of enlightenment. A more narrow road. Those, those are the Republican talking point version of lefties who put up no weapons allowed signs. And just think that keeps the guy out that's going to do the mass shooting. I just. We're, we're, we're kind of past that. 
Are they at the Chamber of Commerce luncheon? I, I, no, I, they're not. Th- they may not be. Well, that's who it's for. They're not yeah. going to Chaz. It's for there. Yeah, they, 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 they may not be. But the the country has devolved to a a, a different DEFCON level. I mean, he is he is he's wielding shields and swords. They are dropping Moabs. Okay, I mean, we're just. Gentlemen, your thoughts on what I just said with Tim Scott, Mike Pence, anybody? I am uh, not as pessimistic about Tim Scott as you, not from a personal allegiance standpoint, but like, yeah, I just, the, this this can work. As, yeah, as long as he doesn't go... F- full stupid like Nikki Haley I thought she could work too then then taking Disney's side like she did a couple weeks ago same as Mike Pence Uh, but you have to think put yourself in you are Old Testament prophet no different that much should have been transparent back then too but it wasn't because it never is because there's nothing new under the sun we don't want the truth and that's as true now as ever. So he that Tim Scott goes in to the Chamber of Commerce, that, they eat that up. They absolutely eat that up. That's what they want. Yep. They don't think there's uh, we aren't being hit by Moabs right now. They just don't. And that's a lot of the Republican base. It's precisely because Tim Scott is black and he's got that Chamber of yep. Commerce money that he has as much of a chance as anybody not named Ron DeSantis or Donald Trump of making some noise in this GOP primary. That's the long and short of analysis because of everything both of you just said. That's that's just the reality. All right. So I have a theory on what is going on with with Trump and the life issue. Why this he is opened this front and what I think the end game is. And I think a lot of times, just as it's assumed that because Trump violates norms, he is resetting paradigms. It's also assumed because his behavior is erratic that he doesn't ever have a plan. You can't conflate either one of those two things together. Behavior is not necessarily um, uh, scheming. It may determine how successful your schemes are are or are not, but it doesn't determine whether you have a scheme associated with you or not. So I wanted to get into that and a key issue coming up in this GOP primary that I don't think a lot of people are talking about and should be. Next. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. If it feels as if things are a little crazy, it's because they're a lot crazy. That's why make sure you're prepared. 
with our friends at My Patriot Supply. They are America's leading food preparedness company. And right now, you can save $200 on each one of their emergency food kits. What are those? Well, they're uh, three-month emergency food kits. That's breakfast, lunch, dinner, even drinks and snacks. That's the full 2,000-plus calories that you need. And you'll save up to $200 on each and every one of them. When you go to MyPatriotSupply.com, that's MyPatriotSupply.com. You can also get fast and free shipping. Do it today so that you don't regret it tomorrow at MyPatriotSupply.com, the three-month emergency food kit at MyPatriotSupply.com. Don't forget, $200 with the promo code DACE, $200 off each kit with the promo code DACE at MyPatriotSupply.com. All right, let's bring in our good friend Bob Vanderplatz. Good to see you again, brother. How are you? I'm doing really well. Glad to be here. So a couple things I wanted to um, I wanted to have a conversation with you about. Let, let's start with the life conversation and Trump, because there's been a lot of conversation sure. about that within the pro-life community for the last few months. I think we even discussed it a little bit last week. I, I have a theory... I, I think just as people associate Trump's behavior violating norms to mean that he also violated paradigms and those aren't shouldn't always be conflated. I also don't think that you should conflate his erratic behavior with the notion that there isn't some kind of a plan either. They're just emoting, reacting. I mean, he does do that. I mean, we all do. But I mean, you don't you, you can't simply just have had the success he has had in life on, on, on random occurrences sure. with no plan. Okay. Sometimes the chaos is planned. Sometimes the chaos is a plan. Yeah. In order to throw people off. I agree. And that's worked for him at times for sure. And worked to our favor at times for sure. I have a theory and I want to get your take on it. I believe that if he is the nominee, Trump's plan, just trying to, just looking at everything that's gone on since this election, when he blamed pro-life voters for not showing up when actually the Republican base showed up in mass, Republicans just lost independence again and lost this election again. But if I had to guess what's going on with Trump and baby killing, I think if he is the nominee, he plans on formally going with the let each state decide Stephen Douglas position and say that, hey, I said it was going to overturn Roe. I did that. And that's what Roe does. It returns that to the states. You guys get to decide that on your own. So South Carolina wants a six week ban. They can. California wants, you know, to have, you know, uh, literally offerings to Molech in downtown L.A. They can, you know, um, you've got uh, North Carolina wants to do a 12 week ban, which they just, just did last week. They can. And I think he will do this assuming every pro-life voter in the party of Lincoln will be desperate enough to win next year, that they will tolerate that, but that he knows he cannot take that position in the primary. So he's just kind of chucking and ducking until then. That's my guess of what is going on here. Now, now my guess is that at some point there will, it won't be pure Stephen Douglas. There'll be some form of, you know, you know, everybody's against late term or partial birth, you know, and so it'll be some form of, of, of thing. He'll come out with 23, 24, something that once we're into the third trimester, he's a no on that. But then after that, your state can do whatever they want. That, that is my guess. I think he realizes in the primary that just, there's no way that plays. And so I think we're just kind of we're just kind of chucking and ducking, running out the clock until then. And my historical analogy, keep in mind, though, when Lincoln and Douglas argued over this strategy in their Senate debate leading up before, you know, Lincoln was president, slavery was already institutionalized in most of the country. So in, in this case, it's kind of the reverse. 
uh, or where we're, I'm sorry, slavery was not institutionalized in most of the country, mm-hmm. and that was the debate, whether to expand it into the Western territories, et cetera. Um, and, and in this case, abortion was institutionalized in every single state. So he's arguing the Stephen Douglas position, but from an opposite perspective, saying that, you know, we're starting, we started from a position of you could kill your kid in every state. I'm the one that ended that. And so now we're going to fight this out state by state. So it's the Stephen Douglas position, but it's not necessarily a Stephen Douglas paradigm because slavery was not institutionalized everywhere in the country at the time that Douglas was arguing this. So therefore, he was actually arguing for the advancement of slavery by saying, let every state decide he was willing to let slavery expand. Trump is going to make the argument that arguing state by state now is not letting abortion expand, but is actually diminishing it. Thoughts? Well, I think you're giving the former president a lot more credit than I probably would give him here. Um, I believe, In fact, maybe some of his people are listening right now and saying, actually, write that down. I might use that later. <laughs> it, okay. that'd be a probably, he thought it through more than we did. Is that what you're saying? That'd probably be a smarter strategy. And I believe he does assume he is going to be the nominee. So therefore, you know, I can be as nuanced as I want here. I think what you're seeing, you're seeing the real Donald Trump. I think he is confused on what he actually believes here. And I think when he throws the pro-lifers under the bus, after the midterm 2022, he was looking for a fall guy. Here's the fall guy. I gave you the overturn of Roe v. Wade. Now, you guys don't show up in the 2022 midterm, so we didn't get what, what we should have got. The thing about the life issues, is you need to have clarity to this issue. And he is confusing at every turn on this issue. And that's why I believe, as I said in my tweet, uh, Iowa is wide open right now. Because he's opening the door wide open. There's a lot of people that even attend the mega rallies who don't want confusion on the life issue. They want clarity on the life issue. And so you bet. Go ahead. Throw it over to the states. Let the states determine what it's supposed to be. But understand the pro-life committee or the pro-life community does not see the sanctity of human life as a state issue. They see it as a human rights issue, a right and wrong issue. And so if you allow the states to take care of it, which is great, what are you going to do about a state like California where Newsom says, let's Newsom says, let's just run the table and we'll have Amazon, we'll have Dick's Sporting Goods, we'll have Google, we'll have everybody else pay for it. And we become your abortion destination state. This idea about this is his reality. Everything in his life has been about, let's make a deal. We're going to make a great deal. Everybody's going to be happy. You know, that's not true here. And the pro-life community, I'm seeing people all over the place saying that the field's open. They're looking for a different candidate because of this confusion. And in your words, Steve, that's why you play the game. Okay. What about the argument? I even know people in uh, that are supportive of DeSantis who actually are worried if we federalize this, then it, it could actually go against us. So that what states like Iowa, Florida, South Carolina, now North Carolina are doing that by federalizing this, we actually would threaten those those uh, those pieces of legislation. You buy that no, argument? at no, all? I don't buy that at all. I think what it is is that you can allow states to make their own laws. The thing is, though, is that they cannot have a law that, say, would be beyond 15 weeks that would be beyond pain capable. And so the federal government can say, OK, here's a minimum that we all as Americans. By the way, there's agree. only like seven countries on Earth that allow you to abort your kid after yeah. 15 weeks. It's like us, China and a, and a list of countries sure. that you really don't want to share a list with, frankly. Yeah. But yeah. And, okay. and the other thing that I think uh, for the people in Trump world need to understand or anybody else's campaign world needs to understand. This is a 70 percent issue amongst Americans, not just Republicans, 70 percent 
issue amongst Americans that after 15 weeks, uh, they don't think this should be going on. Okay. So you mentioned Iowa being wide open. I got up yesterday morning. My feet is just full of people killing each other over polling numbers that are just beyond irrelevant. And I want to, I want to demonstrate what I mean by this. Okay. For the next eight months, only two places are going to vote, Iowa and New Hampshire. In Iowa, maybe, maybe 180,000 people will vote. I mean, we, that was about what voted. It was about 185 that voted yep. in the last caucus we had on the Republican side. That blew, that blew open every you know, record we ever had. So maybe 180,000 people will vote in the Iowa caucuses. The New Hampshire primary also had a very high turnout in 2016 on the Republican side. And still only 280,000 people about voted in that. So you've got everybody breaking down all these numbers and they're, you know, I, if, if, the reality is if you live anywhere other than Iowa and New Hampshire or you, have the, you, you don't have the ability to influence the people there that do, your opinion is irrelevant. And that is why I keep saying that these, these polls, all of them are just absolutely irrelevant because I also don't think most of the people in those two places are even paying attention fully yet. And the thing is, Steve, these polls have a horrible track record. In 2008 at this time, Giuliani would have been your nominee. In 2012, it would have been Rick Perry. In 2016, it would have been Scott Walker. If not Scott Walker, it would have been Jeb Bush. In all those cases, not only did those candidates not perform, but they performed horribly. So to say this is where we put our lock, stock, and barrel in these polls, they mean nothing right now. What does mean something is when DeSantis comes out with 37 legislators endorsing him in the state of Iowa. That will help him. Even that, though, is a bad indicator because there's a lot of times you've got all the endorsements, but you still don't win. Mm -hmm. So what it is, who do you have on the ground in Iowa? Who do you have on the ground in New Hampshire? It's retail politics at this point. And the, the final poll is going to be determined, say, January 22 in the state of Iowa. In October 2007, there was a credible national poll that had Hillary Clinton ahead by 30 points. Oh, sure. And who was she running against? 90 days later, she lost the Iowa caucuses to Barack Obama. Yeah. And the whole race was, was changed. Yeah. So, so you flip that, though, here this time. So I think 2007 is a great uh, year to go back to. In 2007, Hillary was the presumptive nominee. No one was going to beat her, especially in the Democrat primary, the way they rigged that whole deal. Mm -hmm. Obama beat Hillary in Iowa. If he doesn't beat Hillary in Iowa, it's game over. It is over. Yeah. But she turned around and won New Hampshire, actually. She won New Hampshire after crying at a press conference, if you recall that. Mm -hmm. Then also New Hampshire rewarded her. Okay, now you get to be the victor. But Obama still goes on to win the nomination. I think this is going to be the same thing. You're going to have Trump coming in as the heavyweight, as the presumptive nominee by a lot of people, a lot of national media. Even people who don't want Trump to be the nominee are saying Trump's going to be your nominee. But if DeSantis or Nikki Haley or Tim Scott or somebody else, Vivek Ramaswamy or Mike Pence or whoever, upsets that apple cart and says, you know what, we want Iowa, it's going to be game on to the nomination. All right. So speaking of the importance of Iowa. There is, and I said this yesterday morning, I, I think this is far more consequential, it's not even close actually, this is far more consequential than the endless debating over polls that Without question. are irrelevant, because unless you're talking to the 180,000 people are going to vote in Iowa, yeah. or the, or the 280,000 people are going to mm-hmm. vote in, in New Hampshire, your opinion's irrelevant. And your show and my segment are always more important than these polls people watch. Well, keep this in mind. <laughs> <laughs> Something to keep an eye on is 
Chris Sununu, the New Hampshire GOP governor, is talking about running for president. Now, I, I have no idea how, what, what, you know, it seems him, Nikki Haley, Tim Scott, they're all kind of the same candidate. All right. DeSantis is different. Vivek is different. Trump is clearly different. Everybody else kind of represents kind of the same wing of the GOP. But as of February, Chris Sununu had a whopping 66% approval rating in the state of New Hampshire. And that's overall. That's not Republican. That's overall. That's yes. not Republicans. In yeah. fact, it's actually down. It was 71% the previous fall. All right, so it had gone down a few points. But his, his, his approval rating there is obscenely high, which means if he were to run, the New Hampshire primary is essentially canceled. He took New Hampshire off the map. Yeah, it just takes it completely off the table as, a, as an entity, which to me put, would put... If, I think at a minimum, DeSantis has to win one of the first two. I think you are probably one of a lot of people thinks he has to win Iowa. I think he's got to win one of the first two. Yeah. But, but if if Sununu runs and takes New Hampshire off the table, then that's absolutely true. If he has to he has to win Iowa, or this thing is over right away. There, there's no doubt. I think Iowa is that crucial this go round. I think you're seeing the media attention that Iowa's getting already. They know it's that crucial. Our July 14 event. We were just given attendance numbers already signed up, which is you know almost two months before the event, mm-hmm. and it, it's going to be a, it's going to be a sellout. It's going to be a record turnout by press as well as by people. People are interested in what is going to happen in the state of Iowa, and I believe it's going to have to be a DeSantis or somebody like him to beat Trump or come in a very 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 close second for it to be game on of a nomination. If Trump rolls Iowa, I don't know how you stop him. What about what do you think of Trump utilizing? a Romney 2012 strategy. Just saying, I've got my wall, especially if Sununu runs. New Hampshire's off the table. I've got my TBN wall basically in South Carolina. I'm not losing that state, no matter what. So I can get, I can not even do another event in Iowa and get 30%, which I believe is probably true, okay? So, you know, maybe I can steal it, maybe not. Let DeSantis win it. I'll just undermine it from day one. I didn't even compete. It doesn't matter. If you don't think that can that hurt you, we all lived through this in the Cruz campaign. Roger Ailes decided that Marco Rubio had the greatest third place finish of all time, and it was like we never even won. Okay, mm-hmm. so I could see Trump doing that. What do you think? I don't believe that's the case, especially with this environment. I think Nikki Haley and Tim Scott, both from South Carolina, they are going to be in, and they might even play Survivor, meaning who can stay in the longest. If they go into the state of South Carolina. Regardless of what you may think of Nikki or Tim Scott or anybody else does, the people in South Carolina like those two a lot. And so it's almost the Chris Sununu factor in New Hampshire. But now if you got them splitting the vote and Trump, to me, that opens it wide open for this other candidate, whoever that's going to be, to win the state of Iowa, to say they have a shot to do really well in South Carolina as well. Gentlemen, we've got about 90 seconds. Either one of you have a thought on what Bob and I were just discussing, any of those fronts at all? I absolutely agree with you on the potential of him uh, underselling. I also think that the establishment, underselling Iowa, I uh, I think this, you know, we have the black guy, we have the woman, we have Sununu in, we have the vanilla evangelical, all of these guys that are absolutely loyal to the establishment as possibilities to do the same thing to Republicans as happened with Democrats last time. Nobody was really taking it, we go with Biden. But I'm with you, Bob, on uh, Trump and abortion, how there's really no there there. Steve, you just got to put on your Scott Atlas Technicolor dream coat and remember us slogging through his book and just the reality of being in there there's no deep thoughts man 
There's no deep thoughts. I think it's going to be awfully hard for Trump to undersell Iowa. And the reason is he went to bat for Iowa to stay first in the nation with the Iowa caucuses, how much he loves Iowa, how much he respects it for the role it plays in the process. And he thought it was a good lesson for him even to lose Iowa and Cruz to understand this is retail politics. He tries to undersell. We just now I know that doesn't work with him, but you go right back on his word. He doesn't respect it any more than he respects the abortion issue. They're just... They're just part of the deal. There you go. Do you think uh, Nikki Haley and Tim Scott make it to South Carolina? That's a good question. And there'll probably be a lot of pressure on both of those if they're not performing really well. Like they're the clear alternative to Trump to say, okay, we need you to fold. But that's why, we, again, you got to let this process Scott's going to have out. more money. He just ran a Senate campaign. You can yeah. funnel that over to your presidential. He's going to have more money. And I think he is a more likely VP candidate for than Nikki Haley is. So I could see him yeah. hanging around. Tim Scott may have more money. Nikki Haley is getting unbelievable traction and attention in the state of Iowa. You look at her rallies. She's got a lot of women behind Nikki. I wouldn't underestimate her yet at this point. I'm going to go ahead and underestimate her. <laughs> okay. Uh, way <clears throat> underestimate her. As a matter of fact, I don't think she'll be in the race at Halloween. Good to see you, brother. Good to see you. All right, we'll come back. Your chance to ask me anything when we do. And I have no idea what questions are coming, so they better be snotty. Stay tuned. here with our two live and on demand on blaze tv radio and podcast steve dace here with aaron mcintyre totters and in all of you and you can let us know who you are and what you think about what we think by emailing the show steve at stevedace.com that's d-e-a-c-e like us on facebook me we and gab you can follow me at steve dace show on twitter getter instagram and tiktok Look for me as well on Truth Social at Real Steve Dace there. And don't forget the last name is D-E-A-C-E. Those of you who listen to the podcast, thank you so very much. If you've yet to do this, please consider, if you like us, leaving us a five-star review, hitting subscribe or follow if you listen on iTunes. Thanks to each of you that have done those things for the show already. We appreciate each and every one of you. This part of the show, otherwise known as Ask Me Anything, brought to you by Relief Factor. So the wife went in Friday for her knee surgery, got the bone spurs removed, right? So now it's just a pain management issue. She's actually moving around pretty good. It's just a matter Mm -hmm. of getting the pain under control so she can uh, resume normal uh, activity level. They're thinking that might be a couple of weeks. And then we're going to start her on a regimen of, uh, of, of relief factor. She got the clinical issue of the bone spurs dealt with with professional medical help. Now she's going to deal with the chronic stuff with the inflammation she's got in her joints and in places like her knee. And we're going to see if Relief Factor can do for her what it has done for so many. How many? Well, over the years, they have offered this three-week quick start to many, many people, and about 70% of them have stuck around for the long for the long run because of the results that they saw in three weeks or less. If you want to try this drug-free formula that was created by physicians who can prescribe drugs and to see if it doesn't make a difference in the inflammation that you're dealing with in your body that is causing you chronic pain, it's just 20 bucks to find out. Doesn't make a difference in three weeks or less when you go to relieffactor.com once more. That's relieffactor.com, or you can call them at 800 for relief. That's 800, the number four relief. And it is time on a Monday yet again to ask me anything. Questions curated from our followers on Facebook. Todd has curated said questions. I've not seen a single one of them. 
you have selected them and then passed them on to Aaron and... I think we're ready to go. Let us begin with John in Austin, Texas, who asks, have you, and these are five-star, a couple of five-star review questions uh, to begin things. Have you watched the docuseries American Gospel? Would you consider discussing it for Theology Thursday? I have not. It sounds familiar, though. Um but I, but other than it's, it vaguely sounds familiar, like maybe something I've seen on an Amazon or something when perusing uh, for something to watch, I don't know much else about it. So maybe if I were to watch it, I might consider talking about it for a Theology Thursday. So um, do you guys know anything about it at all? No. I don't, but this is the kind of thing that you usually get to before the two of us. So I was... Genuinely interested. Let me, let me let me Google it and see what it is because I, I think I've seen it on the platforms, but I just haven't uh, watched it. Let's see. Um, American Gospel, uh, the Christ Alone, Christ Crucified, Spirit and Fire coming later this year. So it looks like a series of documentaries, having a taking a deep look at. Um, the integrity of the gospel here in the United States as it's ministered here in the U.S. is what it's looking like. So, okay. Sorry, that's all I know. All right, so next up we go to Justin U86 who says, My daughter is four years old and getting ready to go to school. My wife doesn't want her to get the required immunizations because she's skeptical after the COVID jab. Is there anything to be worried about with the normal immunizations we all get? Well, this would seem to be more of a question for you. I will tell you that I saw my buddy Peter McCullough say last week that he thinks most childhood immunizations are probably irrelevant at this point. Um, How we handled it with our kids when they were small, and of course that's years before we ever got to this juncture with COVID, is we just thought there was no reason to go from, what was it, like 15 that we got when we were growing up to like the dozens they want to give you now. So our kids had the 15 that we were given growing up and none of the others that um, they have they have been offering henceforth. And that's the decision we made. And our kids, though, are um, Anna's uh, 22, Zoe is 17, Noah is 16. So it's been a minute since we had to make these decisions for our kids. But those were the decisions we made back in the day. And and at this point, I don't I don't know. If there were something wrong with the traditional childhood immunization schedule, whom would we trust to tell us? This is the key point. And hold accountable um, those that did the wrongdoing. All the same people that just lied to us. So I, I'm not I, I'm not qualified to dispense professional medical advice. I never have because of that. Um, we've brought you all, count, all, all kinds of people like Dr. Peter McCullough, who can over the years on the show, particularly the last few. I'm only expressing what the decision that Amy and I made as parents when our kids were little, little but that's nearly 20 years ago now. Um, but I, I think it is a valid point to be suspicious on the whole of everything, given the behavior we just witnessed on the whole as it pertained to everything COVID. I mean, I just, is it, there's, there's two possibilities. One is 
that our system is totes fine and just was uniquely broken over this circumstance for various reasons. The other is our system is not totes fine. I, I don't, I don't know what any, I don't know what, what your other options are. And I think those are all things that you have to wrestle with, do your own research on. Um, at the very least, I'd, I would be going to physicians that at least are willing to entertain these kinds of questions and not go to, in, to physicians that are not. Um, or at the very least, no better than to challenge you as a parent rather than a physician or a healthcare provider that does not. But I, I think at this point, you'd be wise to be asking a lot of questions. I mean, there's a, um, I still have, that reminds me, I still need to go back and listen to his appearance on Rogan, the, the, the British guy from their, um, uh, their department of health, whose father-in-law had the, the COVID jab situation. It's a seam is a Mahatra or something like that. You know what I'm talking Malatra, about? Mahatra, yeah. That was just on with Joe Rogan. I saw, I, I did see a clip of that interview. I need to go back and listen to the whole thing. I've got to remember to do that. Maybe I'll do it this weekend for the, while we're off on Memorial Day for a long weekend. But he had given an interview about the impact that statin drugs actually have on preventing severe cardiac arrest as a cholesterol limiter. And it's, it's literally like statistically nothing. And he, I mean, he, he, the point that he made is you could take this regimen and you might, it might literally add merely days onto your life, not years. Because there's always been a long, there's always been a lot of debate about statin drugs. Are they dirty drugs or not? Okay. So, um, those are your two options right now. You, you, either this system is, is, is great and was working great prior to this, this thing called COVID and then COVID uniquely broke it. And therefore, you can trust it almost sight unseen with anything non-COVID related or this thing was already not going well and COVID didn't break it, but fulfilled the direction in which it was heading. I, I don't see that you have a third option. And so therefore, um, which, which regardless of which of those camps you fall, you fit yourself into, you fall into. I would think, you know, if you fall into, I thought everything was great. I, I just, obviously things were broken during COVID. You want to make sure that your healthcare provider wasn't one of those that allowed themselves to get broken over COVID. And if you fall into the other one, you want to, you want to be asking questions of virtually everything at all times and, 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 and consider um, signing yourself up with a healthcare provider that will, that will entertain such questions. Can I add something to this as well? Sure. Uh, as, a, as a husband of a nurse, you bet. So is there anything to be worried about with the normal immunizations we all get? What are normal immunizations? Because the answer to that question is very different for you guys yeah, than it, was than it for is you. for me yeah. and Gen Z. Yeah. That alone would you know, raise some red flags. I, I agree. would add this as well. Yeah. The FDA and the CDC doesn't give a damn about you or your, your family's I, I think that health. was clearly demonstrated. So yeah. take, it, take matters into your own hands. Um, family medicine, find a clinic around you that will uh, work with you and uh, hopefully somebody you can trust to kind of tell you the truth or at least do their best to tell you the truth. That would be what I would add. Next, on to Facebook submissions, Stephen Duplantis asks, with the way AI has been advancing, could it be possible that it could be the Antichrist? Since everything we see is from video anyway, it seems anything is believable at this point. Is that my first lip smack of the day? 
Or the first noticeable one? I didn't even notice that yeah, one. I didn't. No, you didn't? No. Which, mean, about, you, which you, probably you, means there was 100 by now. Yeah, did you, did you notice those two? Um, if you believe in Antichrist eschatology, Paul explicitly says a man of lawlessness. Explicitly says that. I also don't believe it is the character of the enemy. I, I don't agree at all with the statement that the greatest trick the devil ever pulled is convincing us he doesn't exist. I don't agree with that at all. Like, not at all. I, I don't think you shake your fist at the most powerful being in the universe and then decide for these temporary um, upright worms called humans, I'm going to hide in the shadows. Now, I, I think the devil likes control of his own brand. I think he likes control of his own narrative. But I don't believe he likes an anonymity at all. And they're selling that brand at Target, by the way. Yes, they are. There's, I mean, how many, there, how much, how much satanic-driven content is in our media right now? Why now? Why didn't we? You know, how come we didn't see this twenty years ago? Well, you know, the culture wasn't in a place where he could control his own brand out in the open. He, it is now, and so it's now out in the open as a result. So I, 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 I think. The Bible makes it very clear that if, if you believe in this eschatology, that the Antichrist is a man of lawlessness. I also don't believe the enemy is also a jealous enemy. He's not going to share his glory with another either. The idea that, it, do I think that you, these, these kinds of systems could be used to usher in conditioning for a singular ruler? Sure. But I don't believe that they are the singular ruler unto themselves. I don't. And I, and I, and I just, I don't have the doom about this that other people whom I greatly respect do. And that's not to mean that I don't think it's not serious. It's cultures that give themselves over to these sorts of enterprises. Though these enterprises like AI are not the cause of that culture's decline. They are the result of it. They're the result of it, meaning that you have to be, you have to make certain assumptions about the world and human nature that already puts you on a destructive, on a destructive path. People with people, you don't go from reading Calvin's Institutes and the, and the Christian religion to thinking, you know. Thoughts on artificial intelligence. You don't do that. You don't go from, man, I just got out of a year-long intensive study of the Book of Romans, and now I'm going to ponder chat GPT. No, you don't do that. These things are extensions of deadly worldviews. They are manifestations of deadly worldviews. They are not the mother's milk or birth, mo birth mothers of the worldviews themselves. It's the symptom not the disease. Next. Next, we go to Lisa Burroughs. It hit me stronger than it has in a while this Sunday how blessed we are as a people to live in the United States. I'm noticing a conflict in needing to defeat this country while showing gratitude to God to live here. How does a person do both simultaneously? Well, I mean, what, who was that that wrote that? What was her name? I'm sorry. Lisa. Lisa, this is... This is what it has meant to be a Christian for 
well, un- until the pilgrims landed at Plymouth Rock, this is what it meant. This is still what it meant in many of the colonies if you didn't belong to the denomination that the colony was founded on. This is what it meant to be black in America until about 50 years ago. I mean, this, this, is, this is what it means to be in the world and not of it. Paul writes, hey, I'm grateful for Rome. For, I'm grateful to Rome for the roads. For the, for the, I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity. There was no previous opportunity in the ancient world. Now, it wouldn't be safe by our standards. Like you're sleeping, you're on, you're, you're, you're walking hundreds of miles to get from one end of a continent to another. You're sleeping in, out in the wilderness at night with wild animals and everything else, raiders coming through, you know, keep in mind there, there aren't any street lights, man. So when it's dark out in the ancient world, brother, it's dark. Okay. Dark. That wouldn't seem safe to us, right? By our standard of living, but to the, in the ancient world, Rome was extremely safe. The safest life experience that had existed as humanity post-Fertile Crescent had ever experienced. One law, united largely by one language and custom, or set of customs, and you were permitted your own customs, provided that Rome could still enforce their customs upon you. Early, nascent proto-forms of pavement shipping lanes in the ancient world this was safety now for us it wouldn't be safe but for them it was safe the safest they've ever ever been and so at that moment paul is fully and totally willing to utilize all of those liberties for the spreading of the gospel at the same time when he shows up in places like ephesus whose entire community is and their socioeconomic status is predicated on pagan idolatry, he opposes it. I mean, I'm very grateful to get to live here. But that's really more of a statement about what the rest of creation is like at this point than how great this place is. We are putting up with things that previous generations of this country country would have lost their minds over. They would have looked at us ashamed and said, why are you tolerating this? Is Netflix really that good? And what the hell's a Netflix? Are the video games really that fun? And what the hell's a video game? That's what they would have said to us. So it's a matter of perspective. I'm very thankful that God planted me here or over any place else, given how bad it is basically every place else. But this world is not my home, which makes it easier for me to recognize that. Ultimately, I love this country, but I don't worship it. I love what this country was founded on. Because it's based on my worldview. And so when it aligns with those things, I'm for it. When it doesn't, I don't. I'm sure you have family members who aren't believers. You love them. But when they try to get you to do things that God says is wrong, hopefully you tell them, no, I'm, I, I can't do that. I'm out. I think, the, I, think the, I think this is not that hard to navigate 
provided we can avoid having an idolatrous level of love for this country. And, and that gets into, if this country were to go away, somehow God's plan is thwarted. No. Not true. Now, I happen to agree, since much of the world views this still as some kind of a Christian country, it doesn't uphold my testimony as a believer just to let it go to rot gut on my watch. But, but that's not, for me... Notice how I phrase phrase that. I'm not interested in upholding and defending America for the sake of America, am I? I didn't say that. Is that what I said? No. No. But for the sake of the testimony that gave birth to it. Which is also why when America violates that birthright, I oppose America. The Lord chastens those whom he loves we should then do the same. If we love this country and it is in the process of providential level of rebellion, we should chasten it. We should rebuke it as we do our own children. Again, love isn't a sentiment. It's not an emotion. It's a motivation. Now, a lot of times, your, your, the emotions and sentiments that come from it will, will have a certain tone or a, 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 you know, as Paul would describe it, words of love seasoned with salt. But all the time? Not all the time. Sometimes there's no time for those. Sometimes there's only time to say, get thee behind me, Satan. I mean, I, I have no interest in, de- in, save, in, in defending a country that is... This, the world's singular largest exporter of child mutilations and baby kills on this planet. I am not interested in that. I'm interested in defeating it. But I also love the country that it was supposed to be and that it was founded to be. I think I've used this analogy before. A great reference is in the Man of Steel movie. Both Zod and Jor-El are extremely angry and frustrated with what has become of the political class on Krypton. Zod's answer, they both end up defying that political class, by the way. Jorel defies it by returning to first fruits. Him and his wife, people of science, have an, a child in natural childbirth. Raise that child, our plan on raising that child up in the old ways and traditions that the new political class calls superstition. They're returning to those first things. Zod's way is to storm the Bastille and bring out the guillotine. And he assumes that his old friend Jorel will join him. And Jorel looks at him and says, I will honor the man you once were by not signing up with this madness. This, is, this isn't any different than what they're offering. We're just changing who sits in the, in the first chair. I'm not interested in that. I think that's a, good, that's a good pop culture analogy for what you're asking and what I am articulating. I will honor the country this once was by refusing to participate in what it has become And instead, I will continue to honor the transcendent first things it was founded on because those first things are transcendent. 
You guys have any thoughts on that? The notion of gratitude that God, that we won the lottery by living here and giving thanks to God for that is not at odds, not at odds at all with wanting to save the country and confronting evil. They're the same impulse. Get the notion that these are at odds somehow out of your mind. Amen. Amen. Next up, Gary Fellens says, Steve, you have said recently that you detest subculture evangelism. That's not what Steve said. He said evangelical subculture, not subculture evangelism, assuming that's what Gary meant. Uh, can you further define what that means or looks like? Um, yeah. If we're talking about evangelical subculture, um, this idea of creating sort of a... Um, a, a cultural expectation of what it means to belong to a group as opposed to we already have an expectation of what it means to belong to said group. If we're evangelicals, it's called sola scriptura. If I wanted, if I want, if I want your traditions, I'll go at the church that's been doing it longer than you. I don't want your traditions. Sometimes they might be good. Sometimes they may suck. I'm not, I'm not interested in conformity to your group. I'm in, interested in transformation by the Holy Spirit. And where I see that happening, I'm there. And where I don't, I don't. And I think... Um, that's what we should be seeking in all things. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not interested in your rival papacy, your rival magisterium. If I'm going to sign up for those, I might just do it with the people that have been doing it longer. They're better at it. So if, if we're sola scriptura, then we're sola scriptura. I'm not interested in joining your subculture. I'm not interested in it, of conforming to some look or expectation um, evangelical subculture is how you get Mike Pence. Straight up. That's how you get Mike Pence. The kingdom of God is subversive. Unwed teenage girls give birth to the Messiah. The guy who instigated, helped instigate the stoning of the first martyr and held the cloaks of those who murdered him becomes the apostle to the Gentiles. Carpenters become who who were who were tossed aside and told they were not. I'm sorry, fishermen who were tossed aside and told, no, you're not smart enough to carry on with Hebrew school. So learn a trade, kid. Become uh, first bishops. The kingdom of God is subversive. It's not a subculture. It's subversive, not a subculture. A subculture is a club. Remember, I'm not a joiner. I went to 11 different schools, K through 12, and literally daily, I wasn't sure if Dave Dace was going to come home and beat the piss out of us or be the coolest dad in my high school. That was excellent practice and conditioning for what it meant to live a subversive life. You would have known me 20 years ago, 
this would be the 20th anniversary of my conversion. You would have known me 25 years ago. You'd have never guessed I would have turned out and done this stuff. I'm, I'm guessing many of the people I went to high school with could have seen me doing exactly what I'm doing, just not anywhere near the way that I'm actually doing it. The kingdom of God is subversive. It is not a subculture. It is subversive. It anoints the humble. It diminishes the proud. We share each other's burdens. We are not respecters of persons. The kingdom of God is subversive. It is not a subculture. Does that answer the question? Yes. Okay. Dina Bratley says, how do you decide when pleading with somebody to see reason on issues like transing kids and other millstone offenses becomes casting pearls before swine territory? In other words, how do you know when somebody has just been given over fully to the spirit of the age and discussion is futile? This is a great question that we're going to have to wrestle with a lot in the post-Christian era in which we live in, particularly in our own families. And this is, again, where the lack of leadership in our pulpits is vital because they are to model what I'm about to say. The pulpit is to model the feeding of sheep and the confronting of wolves. That is the job of a pastor. In a nutshell, feed the sheep. They sit on that beach post-resurrection and Christ sits there with the leader of the early church, Peter, and they sit on that beach. And Christ asks him a question three times. Do you love me? Yes, Lord. Do you love me? Yes, Lord. Do you love me? Yes, Lord. And then, now that he's made Peter, recite this three times to, to complete the circle of, what, of, of the denial that Peter made three times the night that Christ was arrested. Jesus looks at him and says, what? What does Jesus look at Peter, the leader of the early church? He looks at him and says, what? Three words. What are those words? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Yes. Do you love me? Yes. Do you love me? Yes. Then feed my sheep. We are not here to make converts. We are here to make disciples. The idea of being a convert that does not progress in the faith is not how this works. We're here to make disciples. Now, much of the American, modern American church model is, let me draw the largest crowd I can, and then when people mature, just leave them behind as I continue to try and draw a larger and larger crowd. That is not the way this works. It's about discipleship. And you can disciple in large crowds. Spurgeon did. Calvin did. But that means that you drew a crowd the way that the disciples did at Pentecost by the power of the Holy Spirit, not the power of your particular giftedness or your motivations or your cleverness or your sense of humor, your slam and praise team. Those things are about you. So what we need to learn to do is the same thing. If a sheep doesn't, doesn't know, then feed them. A wolf, though, doesn't want to know. Confront them. You can breathe some life into your yard with FastGrowingTrees.com this spring from shade to fresh fruit to privacy, natural beauty. Speaking of being subversive, who had Daniel Horowitz pegged for planting a key lime tree in suburban Baltimore, Maryland? Renaissance man. Indeed, but that's exactly what he did, what he did with our friends over at Fast Growing Trees. They can help you plant your dream garden. 
Their expert advice is also fast, and they offer fast and reliable shipping as well. They curate thousands of easy-to-grow plants, shrubs, tree varieties for your unique climate, anywhere from Meyer lemons to evergreens and everything in between. And there's no more waiting in lines, hauling heavy plants around, and then all the dirt they leave in the back of your truck or car. Uh, Now it's all done online, and they arrive at your door in just a few days. You can join the 1.5 million. That's a lot. Happy Fast Growing Tree customers today. Just go to fastgrowingtrees.com slash Steve. Save 15% off when you do that. Fastgrowingtrees.com. Save 15% off. Fastgrowingtrees.com. All right. Let us continue on with more Ask Me Anything. Another Catholic Protestant question, A.J. Dominique III says, Father Carlos Martins on his podcast says that Protestant pastors referred possessions to Catholic exorcists. Demons also react to their presence and ritual compared to the scene in Nefarious with the chaplain. If we can get an indication of what's right based on whether the right people are offended, then does the reactions of demons tell us anything about Catholicism versus Protestantism? There it is again. You had to hear that lip smack that time. I did. I did. Dave, if you're out there, brother, that one was for you. Okay. Um, I've not heard the clip that Father Martins is talking about. Um, but in a couple of weeks, we are, we are going to have him on the show. Uh, we're doing a, a, a fill-in for Glenn Beck. When is it? June 6th, guys, or 5th? Something like that? 6th, 6th yeah. June 6th, all right. And he, and, and actually, we, we, we have, we'll just go ahead and this is a good segue to this. What we have planned to do those last two hours of the show is we have uh, leaders, both one in the Catholic community and one in the Protestant community, talking about dealing with demonic influence on an individual level and then also corporately on a cultural level. And Father Carlos Martins will be one of our guests during that conversation. And I'll happily ask him about this so I can hear what he has to say, because this is the first I've ever heard of it. There are plenty of Protestant pastors that do deliverance ministry and things of that nature, you know, so, but I'll ask him about it. I can't really respond to something he said that, um, I, I can't really respond to something he said that I've not heard. Like we just got a quote a minute ago, someone claiming that I wasn't for um, sub evangelism or something. And Subculture that's, evangelism. Yeah, that's that's not what I said. Okay, but I would also say um, the the question isn't are are ecclesiologies and liturgies by themselves powerful? They're only if you think they're powerful by themselves, that's idolatry. Things are powerful because they are anointed by the Spirit and Word of God. So I, I would also be interested in how that argument is made. I mean, I, I don't know that... Man, we're having a ton of these questions recently. I, I, if, you want to make the, if you want to make the point that, that Catholic liturgies and ecclesiologies are, are, are effective because they're Catholic... Now, I don't think you're making that point, by the way, but if you're making that point, you're actually kind of making the, the point Protestants make going after Catholics. You're actually playing into that stereotype. 
The question is, are these, is, is which of these is the most biblical? Which of these is the most aligned with the word of God and anointed by the spirit that inspired it? That's really the question. Did you want to chime in on that at all? Uh, everything, ex, ex, uh, I, I agree that, but it's, it's not a question for Catholics, which is ultimately the most biblical because we have multiple pegs on which it's still sand. So that's, it's one of multiple testing points other than, other than that though, it is, which it, it works, whatever works in our faith um, in terms of this coming out of heaven into earth, it is because of the Holy Spirit. I mean, exorcism is a form of miracle. It, 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 so we, we could be talking about something else. I, th I think this question was interesting because it did relate uh, uh, to the movie. And I think it, it how productive a discussion can happen on making a movie like Nefarious when it's Steve is one leg of that stool. The two Catholic writers, directors are another leg. Obviously, a very constructive and beautiful conversation can happen to come together and make what they made. So I, I think it's very, it's people, there's obviously ones that are antagonistic in our audience, both at you and at me, but there are other ones that are obviously in their tribe, but mm -hmm. I think they are like yeah. you and me, yeah. where we come and iron sharpens iron and bring it together. And, and so that's why I think this question was interesting because it has to do with the movie. And so we had Father Martins on the show. We referred him to his podcast. So I, I think there's a lot of moving parts here on why this was an interesting question. And listen, the simple fact is all the matter. If we're, if revival or bust is the way there's, we're going to have more of these questions rather than less because the church is very fair. What church, what church people don't know. It's fair. That is fair. Yep. David Beatty asks, what's going on with Rich Barris and the Rasmussen poll with their seeming animus towards DeSantis? I mean, do they have animus or, or, or is that just their actual data? You know, I mean, I, I, Rich, looking at his polling on, on, the, on a meta level, was pretty accurate in terms of what he had in the generic congressional ballot. That's, he wasn't that far off from what everybody else had. And, and in 2022, the public polls were actually performed well, unlike in 2020 and 2016. In 2018, the public opinion polls performed well. In 2022, they performed well. In 2016, they did not. In 2020, they also did not. Um, uh, but in 2022, they did. And then like a lot of the public opinion polls on individual races, um, my guess is Rich probably thought, given the momentum, that people like Carrie Lake would make up a, game, a point or two on game day, which is the same analysis I had. That clearly did not happen, you know? So um, Rasmussen was not as accurate in this last election as some of the other polling was. Um, but it was, it's still been one of the more accurate polls of the last few years. And, um, now I don't know. I, I, I think I sent this to you guys over the weekend that Rich had put out a poll showing, I don't even remember what it was like one of these polls that had like 
was it crazy like uh, like Biden only getting sixty percent of Hispanics or something or blacks, blacks yeah mm-hmm. only sixty yeah. percent of blacks now you know if I, I would go back and redo my poll if I had that okay but um yeah, I don't know why that would happen now there were discussions of those trends lines happening before now vis-a-vis Trump and I was interested maybe. Maybe he was that mercurial. Mm-hmm. It didn't happen. He got more. He didn't get that much more. Mm-hmm. He still lost. So I agree. Why would what now? Yeah, I would. I would. I would be curious about that. But I mean, overall, those have been fairly accurate pollsters in the last few elections. Here's what I will tell you, though. I'll go back to what I said last hour. The only polling that matters is trying to gauge who are the about 180,000 people that are going to vote in the Iowa caucuses. That's it. Any other poll or the people or polling the people that can influence those 180,000 people. Any other poll. I'll just tell you right now. There is nobody on this or any other conservative platform that is going to reach more of those people than me. Nobody. Not Glenn, not Shapiro, not Bongino. These guys all have monster platforms. I mean, I, I am in the upper, nice upper middle class neighborhood. Those guys are in, they're the house on the hill. I just named you the three largest platforms we probably have on the right. And they won't be able to approach the level of influence I'm going to have on the people that are going to vote in Iowa. Because I live here. And it's an activist driven process, not a primary. If it was a primary, the gate would be a lot narrower. Because more people would vote and it would have, it would, it, then, and so therefore the ability to influence those people, they would, I'd probably still have more because I live here, but that gap would be a lot narrower, but it's not that it's a, it's a caucus process. It's an activist process. I can pick this device up right here. I have here in my hand right here. And there will be names of people in this phone that anybody running for president would crawl over broken glass to have on their organizational team right here in this phone. No one else can say that. I can. So if you're not polling, if you're not trying to figure out who are those 180,000 or so people that are going to vote in the caucuses, or you're not polling the people that can influence them, your poll is irrelevant. And I don't care what your name is, what your firm is, nothing else matters. And that works the whole way. Hey, you don't see me out here touting polls that show DeSantis is going to win Georgia. You know why? Guess why I'm not doing that? Do you know why I'm not doing that? Because it's irrelevant. That's why. It doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. All that matters is who can reach what do those 180,000 people that vote in Iowa think? And for now, what do the 280,000 people that are going to vote in New Hampshire think? Although that could radically change if Chris Sununu gets in the race. Then that state's beyond irrelevant. He'll, I, would, I would presume he'd take it off the board. It doesn't matter. Nothing else matters. We don't have a national primary. We never have. So the national poll doesn't matter. What matters is, and, and I live here. Please don't attempt to lecture me about how the people that, that I live with that you don't you tried this a couple weeks ago, lecturing me on Iowa meteorology and geography, and you look like a clown. I know the people that you want to get to come, not as many as Bob does, no one knows more than he does, but I know the people that, a lot of the people that you want to get to come to the caucuses for you. This process has barely begun. And the idea that they're all getting together and saying, oh, the Rasmussen poll had Trump up by 73 points, so I guess we won't hold the caucuses. That's the exact opposite of what they're saying. 
Iowans take their positioning very seriously. In fact, if you if you want to, you're you're <laughs> the worst thing you could do if you're a Trump if you're a Trump guy, is to push the narrative that none of this matters. Iowa will rise up and pick one of these other candidates just to keep the process going out of spite. They take it very seriously, take the vetting of the candidates very seriously. There's no reason to to make Iowans an enemy of Trump. He Trump won this state by an average of eight and a half points in the last two presidential elections. No Republican since Reagan had even won the state in, in consecutive presidential elections. He's very popular here. There's no reason to try to cancel the process. It ought to work to your favor. There's all kinds of, most of the people in the, there's no one in this, no one in Iowa has ever voted for Ron DeSantis before. Pretty much every, every one of the 180,000 people that are going to take part in the Iowa caucuses voted for Donald Trump before, and maybe multiple times. So I don't see the need to, I don't, I don't, there would be silly to try to minimize that process or work around it. You should engage it fully. Trump is very popular here. And not engaging it is a good way to, to push Iowans to an alternative candidate. So I, there's a reason why Aaron doesn't have the, doesn't have all these polls in his montage every day. There's a reason why we don't break them down. I don't break down the ones that are favorable to DeSantis any more than I break down the ones that are favorable to Trump, because none of them matter if you're not polling the 280,000 people that are going to vote in New Hampshire or the 180,000 people that are going to vote in Iowa. They do not matter. They just don't. They don't. Moving on, Esther Wolber says, Steve has pointed out that Jesus never chased after anyone, yet there are the parables of the lost sheep and coin is the distinction that the sheep knew what it was lost and wanted to be found. Do you have any guidance on discerning when you've done all that can be done? And let's do a few more rapid fire. All right, what I meant by that is chased after people who have rejected him. So let me further clarify that. Meaning that if you reject him, there's no like, reconsider. No, doesn't happen. All right. Uh, Teresa. You want a rapid fire, right? Yep. So okay. I'm sorry. Uh, Teresa says, uh, how should we as Christians respond to the new collaboration between Target and A.B. Prolin? This is a story, by the way, that will be on the montage tomorrow. Aggressively. Uh, Stephen O'Sullivan says, with the recent success of the Bud boycott, have you uh, had your thoughts on spending money towards places like Disney, NFL, and other work, uh, woke organizations changed? Has your thoughts on boycotts changed? Sure. I mean, I'm not playing. Disney have, have, has been far more aggressive. I mean, I don't really, I don't spend any money, really, uh, the NFL. But um, I, Disney's been far more aggressive the last few years, and I've been far less willing to go back. So, sure, you bet. Uh, Leonard Howard says, why hasn't George Soros, his family, and his foundations uh, been gone after for what they're doing? Um, who's Who wrote this? Uh, this is Leonard. Leonard, I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm just going to, Assume you're new to the Republican Party. We don't. They they don't do that here. They don't. They don't pursue your agenda. They don't prosecute your enemies. That's not how it works. You you just vote for them. Demand and get almost nothing in return. And then thank them. And then thank them, right before you vote for them again. Again, that's how it works. Uh, Matthew Scott says, "Will Fox News have any major effect on this election cycle?" I'm hesitating because I don't know. I uh, 
it's still going to be the biggest platform on the right. It's just that the influence is going to be severely diminished. Severely. And my guess is there won't be some unifying message of this is the candidate from on high. So you'll get some shows. Um, I saw some guy, Pete something. Is it Hegseth? Is that his name? Yeah. I, I don't watch right. the channel, mm-hmm. so I don't know, guys. Uh, I saw that he looked, I saw a clip where he looked very upset at my buddy Chip Rory for daring to support Ron DeSantis instead of Trump. My guess is it'll be very democratized. There will be now several shows that will just be Trump slurp fests, several shows that'll be DeSantis slurp fests, and maybe they just end up kind of can. So they're large audiences, but they're not moving an audience. You see what I'm saying? There's still a lot of people watching, but it's not influential because it's not pushing a singular message and they just kind of cancel each other out. If I had to guess right now, That's probably the road that we're heading down. It's still the largest audience on the right, not as large as it used to be, but the least influential that it's also been over the, in recent memory at the same time. That would be though, I guess we'll see. All right. That'll do it for the today's show. We're going to stick around and do overtime for blaze TV subscribers and a great conversation we have coming up with Jordan Schachtel. You don't want to miss it until tomorrow. When we see you again, noon to two Eastern John three seventeen. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.